You're listening to I Am a Product of Globalization. From me, an international student, to you. Oniva. I sometimes describe myself as a culturally conflicted Englishman. Globalization is the development, interaction, and integration between people, companies, and governments worldwide. Picture of a world where old boundaries are disappearing. So rather than fear the future, we have to embrace it. But what repercussions does this have for us international students? I've always been a thorn in the side of injustice. I'm Asia Kress, half Australian, half Guinean, born in New York and raised in Austria. I am the product of globalization. Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today because I have a very interesting episode in store. I was given the opportunity to interview Professor Christopher Odhiambo, who is a university professor living in Kenya. Together with Professor Odhiambo, we spoke about theater for development and his experience working in the field of theater and drama and working in education. He basically just shared all the knowledge he has surrounding the subject. It was really interesting and I'm very thankful for the opportunity I was given and I hope you guys enjoy just as much. The reason I was interviewing him is because for my extended essay, which is a kind of essay we do in our school, sort of like a mini dissertation, it's around 4,000 words and we speak about any topic of our choosing, I'm researching theater as a development strategy for rural communities in Kenya, which is how I actually stumbled across Professor Otiambo. Before this episode starts, I'd just like to warn you guys that we were having some internet issues towards the beginning of the podcast, which is why I had to cut some things out and why it may seem like I kind of rushed into the episode, but the internet issues do fix themselves and the podcast does make sense regardless, so please just bear with it, and I hope you enjoy! And I'm super excited to try out a new style of episodes, and hopefully if this goes well, we'll I'll feature many other people as time goes by. So in this episode, we will be talking about a topic which Mr. Odhiambo has spent a large amount of time covering, and that is theater as a development strategy. He has spent some time researching this topic and has written multiple research studies surrounding it. So first of all, um, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining me, and I'd like to extend a warm welcome because you're my first ever interview on this podcast. So just to jump right into it, in your dissertation titled Theater for Development in Kenya in Search of an Effective Procedure and Methodology, you quoted Nugugi and you said, community theater is performance about people, by the people, for the people. It is about celebrating their struggle to change their social environment and in the process changing themselves. So what would your definition of theater for development be? Theater for for development is um, uh, that that theater that um, consciously uh, situates in the agenda uh, for change. Uh, mm-hmm. That is a, a theater that sets up uh, deliberately to change uh, communities that are underprivileged. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is a theater that is also uh, supposed to create a new awareness, uh, to create a consciousness uh, amongst the, the, the underprivileged. After reading your dissertation, I can tell that you've spent a lot of time researching theater for development. 
What is it about it that piqued your interest and caused you to research it in such depth? Uh, there are a number of reasons why I decided to carry out this research on theater for community development. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one was that there was there, there were so many um, initiatives that were going on uh, using what um, seemed to, to be uh, community development. And uh, I also participated in quite a number and I started asking myself a number of questions if the, the procedures and approaches that were in place uh, were actually effective. Mm -hmm. uh, if they actually were following a particular ideology, a particular philosophy yeah. that necessarily um, informed what we would understand as the, uh, a theater for, for community development. Mm -hmm. So then I decided I needed to go deeper into the subject and then now come up with a clear understanding of this practice. Uh, and that meant going back into a lot of literature mm -hmm. and also into theories and philosophy and then finally coming up with um, a way of what I thought would be a way of understanding the practice much, uh, much better. Yeah. Uh, and that meant um, looking at a lot of examples. Uh, it was both a historical exploration as well as a, as a, as a theoretical enterprise, uh, if one were to say that. Yeah. Uh, so that is what I wanted to, that is what actually motivated me to go to that so that um, I, I understand the practice from, uh, as, as, a, as a practitioner as well as a scholar mm -hmm. and also be in a position to help uh, those others who are using the mod but uh, did not really understand the nuances of the practice itself. Did you decide to like go into theater for development by yourself or was it more because you had to find a dissertation product for university or did you just kind of kill two birds with one stone where you were able to both use it for your dissertation as well as, you know, find out more about it on your own? Oh, no, it, um, no I, I think it is interesting because that is, a, that, that is part of it that I've never spoken about eh? Mm -hmm. uh, because my research did not require that, but I, I think now this would be an important uh, moment to speak to that. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I came into theater for development uh, in 1995, um, 1995 right. uh, when I met a, a friend uh, who was teaching at the University of Nairobi. Mm -hmm. uh, is now long passed on. He passed on sometimes back in ninety in the year two thousand. Um, unfortunately, mm -hmm. Doctor yeah, Doctor John Opio Muma had studied um, um, what we call in theatre in education mm -hmm. uh, in the UK. Uh, in the UK, right. and uh, he had also he had also integrated aspects of theatre for development in his uh, dissertation. So when he was out there, uh, he met a number of people who were involved in, um, in what they were calling applied theater, what is called applied, applied theater outside there, uh, of which theater for community development is just one of the inflections, yeah? 
So he joined this huge worldwide organizing organization known as International Drama um, and Education Association Idea. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. And so no. when when he came back to Kenya, he, he started a Kenya chapter, okay. uh, which we called Kenya Drama and Education Association, whose acronym was KEDEA. And so there was uh, to be uh, a congress in Brisbane, Australia, and so he invited me uh, to participate in a in a workshop mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of of, of uh, for theater for development and uh, I really with this workshop the way that uh, we were using theater to raise issues and how we could easily devise performances uh, which uh, addressed the problems of the everyday uh, of our own communities and, and all that. So we started a movement. The Kedea became a major movement, and it was tied together with now the Kenya National Drama and the Film Festival. Then yeah. it was just Kenya, Kenya National Drama. Mm-hmm. So that then happened. And then after that, then we started working together, running workshops for schools, mm-hmm. for communities. And, and that is how then I got involved in, in drama uh in in commun- in theater for community development and and theater in education as well as drama in education so then mm-hmm. we had the opportunity then to organize the next the the congress the idea congress in kenya uh in 1998 and mm-hmm. i was the co-convener so we yeah. brought all these people who were involved in applied theater from all over the world mm-hmm. uh to this congress and it is from there that then I started thinking seriously about enhancing my own knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and skills. And uh, that is how then I developed my proposal for my PhD. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. then, yes, so you, yeah. so you have the background the to it, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So now, I could, yeah, so I could see the contradictions. I could see all those things now much better because I was already I was already teaching in the university. And I was teaching literature and I was teaching drama. Oh, so you were teaching before so you wrote? You were yes, teaching before? Teaching, yes, I was teaching performance studies also. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it, uh, it, it, it came about. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So you had a lot of like... It wasn't just surface level. You had kind of the depth to to it, and then you got into it. Yes. Yeah. So I heard you speak about theater and education, and I also read in your dissertation that you said there's considerable overlap between theater for development and theater and education. What exactly would you say would be the similarities and the differences between theater and education and theater for development? Yes, uh, theater in education is um, more about um, practice within the educational system mm-hmm. uh, that it, is, it happens within our schools. Okay. That um, it is a theater that's performed by professional theater practitioners 
in, in collaboration with the learning institutions. So it does address uh, issues that um, concern learners within schools. And the point of intersection is actually in the practice itself. Mm -hmm. They all derive their practices from uh, from a from from a, a, a Gusto Boals mm -hmm. uh, um, um, practice, and more importantly, uh, from uh, Paulo Freire's pedagogy. Augusto Boal and Paulo Freire are both very famous theater practitioners from Brazil who had major influence on theater for development. Right. Uh, that is the point of intersection. So the similarities are that they both aspire for change mm -hmm. and that they also use the same modes in the sense that their aim, uh, they aim to create consciousness uh, they aim to conscientize and also they um, gesture towards um, enabling uh, participation right. of the intended uh, target audiences. Mm -hmm. the, the, the other thing is that um, both of them involve uh, carrying out research uh, in those communities, if we were to call schools communities, okay? Okay. And uh, also the other larger community that uh, you, 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 you don't um, impose uh, yeah. knowledge, you don't impose these issues, you don't impose these ideas on these communities. Mm -hmm. But what you do is that um, you engage in what we call bottom-up approach, where the issues emerge from the societies themselves or from the communities themselves mm -hmm. other than the, the top-down approach um that we do have in mainstream theater right. uh where where you do a performance and you take it to uh or people come to watch so they it doesn't matter what they they think yeah. uh they come to watch the are entertained and they, they are not obliged to participate uh, mm -hmm. actively uh, because they pay to come to be entertained. But with the theatre education and, uh, and the theatre for community development, uh, the agenda is very clear yeah. uh, that uh, there's a, a problem and that this theater is coming out to help resolve the problem together with the communities. So the plot of this kind of theater is not um, is not predicted uh, right. as such. Right. It is not um, uh, it is not um, uh, what do you call it? Um, it is not um, closed. Okay, it's like open-ended. Open ended Right, yes. Okay. Open-ended. Yeah. So the major difference is just in terms of one is specifically meant for mm -hmm. for landing institutions and the other one is meant for the general community. Right, okay. So speaking of Boal, I read that uh, Theatre for Development and as you were speaking about the whole, you know, it's all about community engagement and it's all about mm -hmm. using the audience and kind of 
making, I read this in your dissertation, making spectators into spect actors. So it's all about making sure that everybody's kind of together and making sure that they, you know, have a lot to think about when they leave the theater rather than just going there to enjoy something. So, yeah. Okay. And so I read about the history behind theater for development in Kenya specifically, and it seemed to be quite interesting with the political climate changing all the time. So I read about the Kenyan African Democratic Union, so the, the, and then dissolving into the Kenyan African National Union in 1964. And you stated that it kind of prohibited art and it, it stopped um, art and like theater from being displayed in, in the communities. Could you explain more how this this change in political climate kind of prohibited theater from being expressed in these communities? Yes. Um, uh, what happened was that um, the the Kanu uh, Kenya African National Union mm-hmm. uh, became a monolithic uh, party, right? And uh, and and it did not want any uh, divergent. Uh, voices mm-hmm. and uh, as you realize theater for community development provide a platform for diverg- divergent uh, opinions for alternative yeah. uh, voices uh, and, 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 and and all that so this this did not only apply to theater it applied to all other democratic expressions uh, in the in the country okay. uh, that the then president, uh, before him, actually, the uh, Kenyatta, the president, who, uh, President um, Jomo Kenyatta, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. and that is where the problem. So, so the government then decided to ban uh, all performances that were seen to be creating uh, awareness, mm-hmm. uh, that were seen to be were seen to be uh, transferring agency to yeah. communities. And and that is what actually happened. So it was um, uh, during the the regime of uh, the late Jomo Kenyatta, mm-hmm. and then when Moi came into power, he opened the space slightly. He opened it, but then again he realized the power of theater and other performing arts, and again he also decided to ban. Uh, again, a uh, community theater mm-hmm. uh, that was seen to be quite political and ideological in its orientation. Right. So, theater for community development became vogue again uh, in the 80s because now it was dealing with what were seen as innocent uh, topics. Mm-hmm. And this was mainly because of the uh, because of the HIV and AIDS, yeah. So theater became the the convenient tool uh-huh. to communicate messages of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. So uh, even 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 uh, certain even some performances uh, during the schools and colleges drama festivals, mm-hmm. what I'm calling the Kenya National Drama Festivals, were banned by the government. Really? Uh, because they were seen to yeah, they were seen to be poli- to be highly political. They were seen to be highly pro- provoked. Uh, Joe DeGraff, the play is called uh, Muntu, that mm-hmm. speaks about the history of, of, of colonialism 
Right. Uh, right yeah, of the history of colonialism right up to post-independence in mm-hmm. Africa. So mm-hmm. it was. It is very critical about the the management of the African politics and leadership, okay. and and all that. So it was also bad mm-hmm. uh, because they were critical of the then uh, undemocratic um, political party that was in power. Yeah. So um, speaking of the colonial past, would you say that a large reason yeah. why theater for development kind of is a big thing in Kenya would be due to its colonial past because I read that um, when the colonists were in Kenya they implemented sort of a kind of theater for development in their schools where they would try to change their religions and basically just modify their behavioral patterns. Would you say that there's still traces of this kind of theater for development in schools in Kenya today because of this colonial past or would you say it's just because um, people in Kenya realized that theater is a really helpful development tool. No, um, in the in pre-colonial, in pre-colonial Kenya, there was, um, there was already theater, uh, community theater, community performances by the communities. Right. Uh, which were actually uh, banned by the colonial government But then the colonial government also needed to, the the colonial government also needed to um, sell its own development agenda, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the health issues, agriculture, and all that. So they came with the quasi theater for community development, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a top-down. Uh, approach because the the message was packaged uh, and then brought to the communities and the communities were not really involved uh, in this and the idea was to use theater uh, to help the African uh, students to learn English language very well Mm -hmm. uh, receive pronunciation and also as a way of introducing them to the western cultures and civilization through performance Mm -hmm. i mean when you participate in um, shakespearean drama you also begin to um, understand the the cultures of yeah where the performances are coming from yeah so then that was what was happening that they were meant to to actually uh, entrench uh the, the the colonial identity the colonial language and the colonial cultures uh but after independence they 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 they, they, they radically changed uh because the festival now uh allowed for performances of plays written by um, by local uh, teachers and also in local languages and um, some new genres were also introduced like um, such as uh, oral narratives mm-hmm. um, creative cultural dances and and also the form of the form the, the form of the form of theater as we know it of, of play uh, also began, um, uh, became more liberal in the sense that it um, 
allowed the African modes of performances like uh, such as narratives uh, within the the play plot. So what would you say made theater for development and yeah. made theater for the development in Kenya shift from being a kind of top-down approach where the colonialists were trying to be much more top-down whereas now it's a much more bottom up approach and it's much more community based what do you think really caused that shift between the ways in which people perceived theater for development in Kenya yeah um the the major just shift there are some the the the, the the more popular, popularly known uh, shift is the the Nguki um, Kamirithu uh, mm-hmm. theater approach, where uh, Nguki was trying to redefine the language of African theater. Oh. And uh, this is the moment where now uh, the the community came to do theater for itself okay. and dealing with its own problems. So that was the beginning of that. But there were also other um, other, other, other theater for development uh, practices that were going on at the same time, but they were not as prominent right. as the, as the Ngugi um, experiment uh, that captured the imagination of the, the whole world, especially uh, when Googie was uh, detained. Okay. Wait, so just to clarify, he was mm. a negative person. He wasn't doing positive things. Googie? Yeah. Or was he positive? No. He was extremely positive. Oh, he was positive. It, okay. The government that was scared of, his, of this practice because the government realized that uh, Googie was um, using theater Oh, right. Okay, I see. Create yeah, to create awareness mm-hmm. in the masses, in the mm-hmm. rural masses, oh, okay. that uh, that uh, the, the the masses were now becoming aware that they are being oppressed, mm-hmm. that they are being exploited, yeah. and so the government of the day was not happy with the agency oh, that okay. now was being transferred to the uh, to the masses. Mm-hmm. That uh, the masses were being educated now, and the masses could now see um, the relationships between their poverty and the government. You see that? Yeah. Okay. So he was like a positive source, and he kind of helped yes. make theater for development be much more utilized by the communities themselves. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, you stated that one of the main reasons for this kind of resurgence, well, aside from Venguki, or sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it, but aside from this, the resurgence in popularity of theater in Kenya was the amendment of Section 2A of Kenya's Constitution of 1991, which was the expansion of democratic space. So how exactly yes. did this amendment um, spark the, re, sorry, re-spark the population of theater in Kenya, and was it sort of a combination between political, the political unrest, or like was it something else that caused, caused theater to become popular again? Yes, uh, you, you realize that um, uh, this section 2A mm-hmm. had made Kenya, um, uh, uh, Kanu, then the, the ruling party, 
Yeah. Uh, the only party. Um, so uh, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of uh, oppression. Uh, the liberties of Kenyans had been um, um, greatly uh, limited. Mm-hmm. So in nineties, in the nineties, uh, there was uh, all over the world the move for change. You remember? Uh, yeah after the fall of the Berlin Wall and all that. Right. So that then, there was that wave uh, clamoring for democracy. Mm-hmm. So it was political. Uh, Kenyans were clamoring now for multi-party politics, uh, clamoring for the liber- liberalization of airwaves and performance spaces. So when this section 2A of the constitution was amended it opened up the democratic space so there was now more opportunity to be more expressive Mm -hmm. there was more opportunity for more political parties to be formed there was more opportunity for more radio stations to be opened more television stations so there was indeed um a major open up of the democratic space in all its um, aspects, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah. And mm-hmm. so theater also uh, became again more vibrant because now uh, people would uh, perform uh, without uh, the fear of the state machineries mm-hmm. uh, coming to silence you. So then now theater for development also began to thrive because there were so many non-governmental organizations that were now using theater also to educate or to inform the masses about different issues that were affecting those communities. Mm -hmm. So it was both political and um, also um, um, in, in terms of um, just just productivity. Right. Okay, so what exactly led to the amendment of the Section 2A? Was it because there was that kind of worldwide, you know, strive for more, for more democracy and for more freedom, or was it linked to something else? Both the internal and the external. Mm-hmm. Uh, internally, uh, Kenyans had been agitating for change, uh, for a long time, uh, right from 1982, uh, uh, not even much earlier, uh, but more uh, 1982 when there was a failed uh, coup. Mm-hmm. By the officers of the Kenya Air Force. Uh, but which was uh, repelled. Mm -hmm. And then after that coup, that is when the dictatorship came more vicious. eh? And so that is when there was this, yeah, that is when um, democratic space was was extremely uh, squeezed. So in in the 90s now, when there was the worldwide clamor for democracy, uh, the Kenyans also became more um, vicious 
in their quest for democracy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so there was political um, clamoring for multi-party democracy so that people wanted more parties because then there was only one party in Kenya, yeah. Kanu. Mm -hmm. And so people not members of Kanu could not participate in politics because there was only one party. So now people decided, no, we want choices. Right. We want more options. So there was, there were, um, we had demonstrations, there were protests, and finally the government had to give in. So the amendment was not achieved on a silver platter. It mm. was as a result of um, people going out, people being arrested, people being detained, mm. people being killed, until finally mm. the government uh, gave in right. and allowed for multi-party um, politics, mm -hmm. uh, multi-party uh, democracy. And that is how then that Section 2A was amended to allow uh, for competitive politics. Wow, that has a lot and of And as a result, the democratic states then opened up, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, so uh, moving on from sort of Kenya, I'd like to speak a little bit about theater for development as a whole and kind of the history of how Augusto Boal influenced it because although I haven't looked into him a lot I know that he was a huge part of it and that he created theater for the for the oppressed which kind of inspired theater for development as well as I read about Paulo Freire's pedagogy, pedagogy of the oppressed so I was wondering how these three kind of pedagogy for the oppressed, theater for of the oppressed, and theater for development linked together, and once again, what the similarities are, what the differences are, so how we can kind of see how they like influence each other. Yes, yeah. Um, the, the 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 starting point uh, has to do with conscientization, okay, uh, the creating of consciousness, and also the idea of transferring agency uh, to the um, to the learner, um, making the learner have control over the knowledge that they're being taught. Mm -hmm. And this uh, had to do with the, uh, the transformative uh, education of Paulo Freire, uh, who contested the traditional modes of uh, education where uh, which assumed that uh, learners were empty slates and had to be uh, fed right. uh, with knowledge because the what we call the the banking concept of education mm -hmm. where you deposit just like you deposit my, money in the bank oh. and then you go to withdraw the money right. at the end of the month so you deposit knowledge and then you go and withdraw at the end of the academic year. Uh, so Paulo Freire contested this kind of education system and he came up with an education system that uh, he referred to as problem-solving pedagogy, uh, where both the learner and the, the, the teacher and the learner are co-investigators or co-researchers, so they are both involved in the search for knowledge. And he used uh, different modes uh, in his uh, in this kind of education. Uh, he used uh, uh, drama, he used radio, he used newspapers to generate uh, discussion. Mm 
uh, or dialogue. It is dialogical. Right. So what then happens is that um, uh, uh, if you if you look at the the two, both of them are Brazilian. Eh? Yeah. Uh, both Augusto Boal and Paulo Freire are Brazilians. So if you look at the title of um, uh, of Paulo Freire's text, it is Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Yes. And if you look at the title of Augusto Boal's uh, own theater play, theater. I mean, theater um, um, book. It is called. It is called Theater of the Oppressed. Okay. Right. So you can see the intertextuality that the two texts are playing on each other. Mm-hmm. So Augusto uh, Augusto Boal drew heavily from Paulo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. To yeah. come up with this, yeah, to come up with his, with his own theater. Yeah. So. It is usually not very easy to talk about um, uh, theater for community development without talking about uh, Paulo Freire mm-hmm. and without also talking about Augusto Boal. So it sort yeah. of seems as though you would say that Paulo Freire was kind of the backbone of the entirety of the you know theater for development, and then so it kind of started with pedagog- pedagogy of the oppressed, and then expanded into theater of the oppressed and then further expanded into theater for development which now has theater and education and all these different kind of names um so yeah yeah. so i can really say see how they're influenced from each other and how they all use the same kind of community basedness and like engaging everybody who's present there yeah because uh, one thing uh, is that uh, paulo freire was not um a theater practitioner he was a pedagogue he was an educator but he used uh, theater as uh, or rather drama mm-hmm. as one of the medium oh i see so he was just kind yes. of an educator and then he took it yes he just expanded his education by using a different kind of method which in his case was drama yes with theater was where drama was one of those oh, okay. role play yeah role play and and all that mm-hmm. yeah wow that's really interesting i had no idea i thought he was like just one of the main <laughs> Um, practitioners. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. So Mm. as we come to the end of the episode, because we've been talking for a long time, I, if I were to ask you the question, to what extent has theater for development become an effective method of development for communities in Kenya? What would your conclusion be? Would you say it's effective or not effective or generally, what would you say about, about, um, theater for development in Kenya? Yes. If I were to take very specific, um, cases mm-hmm. uh, beginning with um, um, the Ngugi experience uh, which was um, cut short by the government but when you come to the um, 80s and 90s when now HIV AIDS was a huge problem mm-hmm. uh, I can say that theater for development played a, a, a major role in creating awareness because uh, if people were not well informed about theater for development. I mean, uh, well informed about um, contraction of HIV, AIDS, and all that. Right. A huge population would have fallen sick, and that would definitely have affected the development of the nation because um, the health can become a burden. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like now with COVID, uh, when a lot of people are sick, 
uh, it strains the economy. Right. So that helped when people now understood um, the impact of HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And so there was behavior change. Um, then a number of um, a number of um, uh, NGOs also used uh, theater for development in very specific uh, situations on uh, issues of sanitation, uh, issues of health. Uh, a healthy nation is a nation that can develop as opposed to an unhealthy nation right. that happen. And then there are also certain cultural practices that have been seen to be um, retrogressive, mm -hmm. uh, which again would um, were resistant to development. Again, theater for development played a major uh, a major role. But then again, uh, in uh, the when for Kenya around two thousand and and two two thousand up to two thousand and five, uh, when we were changing uh when you were writing a new constitution again theater became extremely instrumental in creating awareness um on the importance of this of the of the constitution and the participation of the citizens what it means uh to have a constitution and um how constitution is important mm -hmm. and how constitution is a um, backbone for development and mm. all that. So theater was extremely instrumental. So I can say yes, uh, theater for community development has been quite uh, important in the change agenda, uh, in transformation and therefore in development. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge about theater for development in Kenya. I actually, I learned a lot through our conversation and I thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you. So again, thank you so much and I really appreciate it. Uh, welcome. All right. Thank you. Have a good evening too. Thank you. Welcome. Bye-bye for now. Bye.